gon' buy it with a cellulite He said the body unbelievable Can't trust a big butt and a Gemini Hello lovely people and welcome to another edition of Quintessentially Queer So, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time around. Um, and also, for those of you that have been living under a rock, the previous song was Jose by Doja Cat. And for those of you that have been around me the last year, know just how obsessed I've been with this fucking song. You know, trust no big butt better than a Gemini, bitch. That's it. Speaking of, by the way, like I have a lot of close friends of mine that actually are Geminis. But anyway, we're not going to get into astrology right now. Well, maybe we will. But um, so for those of you that do know me personally, know that I have taken a lot of big decisions in the last period in my life and in the way I am. So I decided to record a podcast dedicated to all of you by myself as a love letter to all of my friends, a love letter to Amsterdam, and a love letter to all those that meant something and mean something to me right now. So I have no structure, I have no plan, I have no goal. All I have is appreciation and love for the bosses bitches around me and the wholesome house that um, helped me stand on my own two feet while wearing heels in the last couple of months, because girls have been rough. Parallel to that, I decided to do something completely new for me, which is basically read out some of my own writing. Um, I, I didn't, I mean, I did read them before, um, but kind of like I didn't really fix anything or like, you know, I'm just going to read some poems and they're dedicated to spe specific people around me. And those of you that know, know. And that's it, bitch. So, we heard Doja Cat and Juicy. And now let's listen to Looking by Meru and David Eliza. Looking for something. Looking for something. Share my love with 
That was Looking by Meru. So, for those of you that actually have never met me before, I don't know what image you may have of yourselves in my mind, but um, people usually say that I'm quite confident, which that I know I'm very comfortable in terms of public speaking and kind of like uh, standing up on my own to whatever um, feet. Uh, so I don't know if you would label it as confidence or it's just like attention horror, but I'm okay with both. Even though I'm not smart enough to be getting paid, bitch. I'm just a slut. <laughs> but overall, uh, the feedback that I get usually is that I come across as quite comfortable in my own skin. And quite, um, how can I say this? Well, intimidating a lot of times because I always speak my mind and I always say what's up. However... The point that I am now in my life took a lot of fucking effort to get here, bitch. Didn't just, uh, no one's just born confident or no one's just born, um, you know, comfortable in their own skin. I used to hate myself a lot and I still do evidently somewhere inside because growing up this gay in uh, Cyprus was a struggle. And by the way, when I say this gay, right now, I am sitting here speaking to you in a silk uh, buckless top, that spaghetti strap, a diamond choker with a diamond tear, um, how do you call it, crystal or whatever, like in the center, um, baggy jeans and a pink thong. So that gay. But the first time I saw Shakira, like literally though, my life changed. I'm not joking. I was like so sexually confused and also just inspired the first time i saw her submerged from like um the ocean in whenever whatever i was like oh, do i want to be her or do i want to be with her well i ended up being her in the end um but somewhere along the way i was forced to go in the closet for various reasons being too personal to share on the radio um, but if you buy me a drink, I'll definitely tell you. Um, but then being forced to go in the closet, right, was something that I thought would basically dictate my entire life. Um, in Cyprus, if you're gay, your fate is pretty much destined and predetermined, you know. You have a faceless profile on Grinder. you're married, you have children, and you fuck random dudes on the side of the highway in your car at 2 o'clock in the morning, and that's how you live your life. And to be honest, I thought that, like, that's how I would live my life. And I was pretty comfortable with that, you know. I was pretty comfortable lying to myself and to girls that um, I'm straight. <laughs> Moment for lols. Yeah, the only thing that's straight about me is the fact that I'm a straight up bitch, baby. But anyway, uh, when I went in the army, the reasons that I joined were genuinely just ego, primarily. Um, well, first of all, also, if you plead as homosexual, let's say, to be um, to be taken away from there or not be allowed in it, you're registered as having like a mental instability. And I'm like, girl, I'm not mentally unstable. Well, I kind of am. But I mean, I'm not mentally unstable because I like dick. I'm just mentally unstable because, you know, I'm all over the place and I'm a Virgo, pretty much with the moon in Aries, for fuck's sake. Anywho. But the reason I wanted to go and not actually plead for mental instability is because I thought to myself, 
bitch, if fucking straight dudes can do it, I can fucking do it. They're not better than me. And it took me two years um, of risking my life and jeopardizing my mental stability to realize that, you know what? I actually don't fucking hate myself. Because at the end of the day, other people's opinions are none of my fucking business. Like, if you base your entire life and your entire ideology thinking about what a hairy fucking fag is wearing and it dictates your day and your mood so much, then guess what, baby? Maybe you should find different priorities in your life and stop trying to think about other people, you know? So then it was a conscious choice to love myself, basically, and to just fully be. I remember when I came out, the moment that I just, I couldn't take it any longer, um, I thought to myself, like, I don't know where this is going to take me. Am I going to be kicked out of the house? Am I going to be beaten up? Am I going to be whatever, you know? But I decided that, you know what? It's worth it. I would much rather be left in the three fucking streets, like, with one pair of underwear and just, like, whatever. And be myself, rather than kind of, like, continue this, like, masquerade of fucking toxic heterosexuality, you know? And one of the people that really helped me was my friend Nicola Serenion, hey bitch, um, who was trying to be friends with me. <laughs> he was trying to be friends with me for a while in the army because we were both in the offices working like, uh, you know, because uh, we were both like I-4 because there's like different levels in the way of like soldiers. So we didn't really have a gun, whatever, deviating now. Uh, but he was really trying to be my friend. And every time that was passing by, he's like, really? <laughs> And I would always kind of like ignore him because I didn't want to be also seen as gay because in the army, to be honest, people were a bit like, well, I wouldn't say scared of me, but I would say intimidated because they didn't know what to do with me because I was quite, you know, abrupt and quite intense as a person. And I was really into death metal at the time as well. So they were scared that I would either like rape them, drug them or sacrifice them to Satan. Little did they know it would be all of the above. No, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, in my head, I was like, it's better to be feared than like, you know, um, bullied or, you know, appropriated or some shit. But then looking at Nicolas, actually, who gave absolutely zero fucks about anything or anyone, was a very big, like, pillar in the way that I would carry myself. Maybe it's because I found someone who was a lot more comfortable in their own femininity than I was. And I found that inspiring, and I still do. You know, maybe it's because I found someone to counterbalance my own forced masculinity. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was definitely something, you know. Um, but coming out, right, still was fucking hard. You know, Cyprus is fucking homophobic, but it's okay. Emotion of the future has no thought or false conjuncture. A friend lit it up, and she threw the first match. She won, as women always do. She said, fuego, fuego, yo no tengo stress. Burn it all up and watch it jump from page to chapter in the song of loneliness, in the symphony of collectivity. Emotions have a taste, and so do sounds. Lyricality, impressions, and outlets. The sun is hiding because it's shy. It doesn't help the wind. It only slows things down. Until it burns up again, 
out of its shell to warm up our battered bodies, the fighting of a generation. She calls it the human experience. So on that note, without trying to be too pretentious, let's just go to I Just Wanna Have Fun by Maru. was I just want to have some fun by Meru. So by the way, all the poems that I'm reading have nothing to do, let's say, with the people that I'm like just um, sharing stories um, for um, at all. This is just kind of like random sequence, you know, um, but Cyprus is generally a very hard place. You don't really have a choice. If you're queer, you're it's either this way or the highway, you know, um, and I definitely chose the highway to hell primarily. Um, but you either conform into what I just said before, or you learn how to be militant. You know, I'm not buying this bullshit of like, oh my God, my existence is a political act. But in Cyprus, to be quite honest, it kind of is. Not gonna lie. Uh, I remember my ex, he knew my friends basically. And I'm um, like to him, okay, now that you met me as well, bam, you know, all of the queer people in Cyprus type of thing. You know, by queer, I mean, like, this animated and this out there. Um, but I really didn't know what to do with my life. And then I just somehow ended up in the University of Cyprus, which is the best choice I could have made, you know, at this point, looking back to it. Because it taught me so much. And it helped me grow and actually 
have a thicker skin, you know? Um, and that's when I found writing, pretty much, or artistic direction or whatever you want to call what I'm doing right now, you know? Um, and the one person that really pushed me is unfortunately no longer with us. Um, but the last time, well, the second last time I saw him, what he told me is that I should just write every day, uh, regardless of how loud my voice is, regardless of how annoying other people might think it is. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that does the fine tuning to what other people hear. So as long as it sounds good to you, then bitch, who the fuck gives a shit about other people at the end of the day? And actually, the last last time I saw him, which was sad, but um, yeah, he was uh, drunk at this uh, bar that we were at, uh, just sitting alone. And then he just came up to me when I was sitting with my boyfriend at the time to uh, just say how much he appreciates me and how much he loves me. And evidently the feelings are mutual still. And he, before he left, he just turned around and told my boyfriend at the time, um, you're going to be the biggest idiot there is if you ever let, let him go. And spoiler alert, he was. So the interludes of writing are why I don't trust me. I give you a promise that I didn't really keep. And each time around the sun, I remember to forget you. It was all written, but no one spent the time on ink. You were left unsaid of the words you wanted to use for everyone around you. I'm sorry to myself for not really living up to what we said. Like a blow every year, Spookier than ever. Your memory creeps up in unexpected comfort of the memories you wanted us to notice and the lessons you already knew. I miss you so much and all you gave me. The story of an artist that was too good for his time, regardless of the cliches. Now I see what you meant and all you forgot to notice. I thank you for all of it, but most of all, for making one day of the year actually matter but it's weird loss overall and i'm not talking just about death i'm talking about having people in your life lovers friends neighbors whatever people you connect with and you have this person that is so intimately close to you that you share your deepest darkest corners of psychosynthesis and then just bam you become strangers again but what happens in between this string in between where you stand and that field that you created with the other person and where you're going in this abstraction. Roland Barthes in A Lover's Discourse and talks about the locality of love, where essentially what exclamations of love, like I love you, imply is a need and a question of verification. By me saying I love you, I suddenly create this space, this space that is confined in my own statement of what my amorous state is or wish it to be at least. However, this amorous state, in order for it to be like a discourse and not just a statement, asks for a verification. I'm expecting you and hope for you to say, I love you too. And in this sense, what is created is a communal state of being, of being in love, of not just loving, because I love everyone around me. However, being in love 
is just something that you can't really quite place, you know, is when you feel like the other person has so much power over you, yet you somehow wish to let go to their own devices and their own means, is when you can really bring yourself to feel, like, real, as long as the other person realizes you through their eyes and helps you create something nice, you know, for both of you to look up to. But yet, on the other hand, is talking about love in terms of um, difference. He says that what we fall in love with is not necessarily the sameness of one another because that is ego, that is narcissism. I actually was seeing this dude once for two weeks and oh my God, we were the same. Hairy, like slim, uh, into the same type of music, into the same thing sexually, like all that, you know? And I was so bored. I was just fucking bored, honestly though. But it was cute. And I'm very appreciative of the memory and of the experience, but like, not for me, girl. I like to be challenged. In the same way that Badia implies that essentially, by noticing the other person's differences, what you realize is the possibility of, the, of a new world, of a new type of substantiation that isn't really indicative of who you are or how you live your life, yet you're super inspired by it. And in this sense, wishing to essentially infiltrate that world, right, while maintaining your own world, and by subtracting traits from both worlds, creating a unison, an amorous relationship, love, pretty much. So, now let's go to Life's an Ocean by the verb. Life's an Ocean by The Verb, which, by the way, also is the band that gave me my name on Instagram, Gravity Grave. Check their song. It's sick. So, regardless of how much I might, I don't want to say hate, but regardless of how uncomfortable I feel about Cyprus, I decided to move back for this period of time. I'm finishing my master's. And it doesn't really make sense for me to be in Amsterdam any longer right now. And I started raving at 
16. I'm going to be 27 now. I am super grateful for the opportunities that I've been given here, including Slim Radio. And I just don't feel like I am being subjugated in the terms that I wish myself to be. I was in Marseille for a month and a half in January and February. And then came back. I was was okay for two weeks. And then I just got super fucking sick. Like I had like six things, like one right after the other. Like I was genuinely for six weeks in my room. And essentially what that period showed me is that um, I'm done being substantiated in other people's terms. Amsterdam is like a field of super high neoliberalism and extreme oversaturated capitalism, you know? Evidently, it's the reasons why I came here. However, this freedom that is being sold um, is nothing but a byproduct of capitalism, you know? Uh, You're invited here to come and do your thing, which you can, and you have a a lot of spaces to do your thing, right? Yet, you have to somehow assimilate what that thing is in a bit more technifiable terms, at least in my own personal experience, huh? And I'm not a representative of anyone. I'm barely a representative of myself. Half of the times I just go with the flow and I just hope for the best, you know? But essentially, what is missing for me in Amsterdam is this originary, like, sense of being. This, um moment of kind of like identity transcendence where you feel like you're at the right place at the right time with the right people my living situation was like super fucking intense like really though imagine living in a place where you have like a phd in quantum physics yet you need to basically explain to bitches why one plus one equals two but I'm not going to spend any more time on that. Let live and let go. Um, and essentially what I decided was to push myself in vulnerability, in letting go of situations, of whatever type of substantiation that I might feel as um, instrumental to me, and just explore myself primarily. I divide myself in three, and in risk of sounding like a sociopath, I'm saying this on air. I divide myself in rallies, which is my last name, which is essentially the more like intense, animated, rave, um, whatever, I don't know, street rat, I guess. (laughs) Then George, which is pretty much the versatile, like uh, communicative, um, English-speaking bitch that's like a chameleon and can like fit in anywhere, essentially. And then Yorgos, who I still don't know exactly who he is, but I'm really curious to see where he's going because the other two are quite instrumental. Um, So essentially what I wanted to basically get more in touch with is Yorgos. But these last periods here, I don't think that my mental health has been at such a low, to be honest. The last time that it's been this low was when I was in the army. However, I reached point of the way throughout my life, I could always um, excuse myself and gain responsibility by falling back on this argument of, oh, you made your bed, now you have to lie in it. But for once in my life, 
I had other people having a say in my mental health that were just completely disrespectful on any single matter that I ever asked to be communicated. And on that note, like, you know what? I'm no one's fucking psychotherapist and I'm no one's fucking nanny, especially if you're above 10. And especially if you label yourself as queer. And again, just to call a fish a fish, by the way, for the bitches that haven't been following the podcasts, queer is understanding the political substantiality of your identity and the interplays that it has, right, with the sexual power structures, meanings, and relationships that you perpetuate when you express it against conforming normativity. Pretty much, just to unpack what I just said, you do not have the right to call yourself queer if you do not have empathy for other people. Queer is for everyone besides those that accept no one. Queer is not looking like you. Queer is actually putting out a fucking hug for the bitches that want nothing to do with you. Yet you still somehow choose to be a bigger person. And right now, I'm not trying to perpetuate this like toxic representation of the oppressed, putting in the extra mile to go and meet the oppressor. No. Queer is essentially understanding the undercurrents from the waves that you swim in, even the ones that you cannot touch into. So essentially, if you're gay and you're a cis man, you don't, get, you don't have the fucking right to call yourself queer because you didn't really have to fight for anything. You didn't really have to think which street to take at night. You never really had to put your keys in between your fingers in, in case you might have to stab someone. You never really had to take 17 different layers of clothing and change them in your friend's car before you go out. You didn't even have to block people on Instagram or your family on Facebook. So on that note, be careful before you lab label yourself queer and then you perpetuate toxic representations of neither territorialism nor fucking masculinity because guess what, bitch? If you want this to be a dick measuring contest, pfft, just win because you can shove it up your own ass because I ain't going nowhere near it. Now that the poison is out, let me continue to how much I love my friends. So this last period, having so much of like mental instability, I recognized the importance of being present. I usually have as a response to fleet, which actually well, I'm also living in Amsterdam right now, but what I'm trying to say is that like when things get a little bit uncomfortable as a Virgo, because I cannot control them and I am a control freak, I tend to run away. And I tend to basically be in people's lives that are around me at that moment. And this doesn't come from a place of ignorance or of like um, ignoring or whatever. Not at all. It, I, I just go for it and whatever feels organic. And I'm lucky enough that my cool, that my friends are cool enough to actually not take this personally. And then we meet up and it's like nothing ever changed. However, this last period, talking to my Cypriot sisters, Eleni being one of them, and my Cypriot siblings, non-binary, or any type of whatever expression, Simone being one of them, and, you know, Lorenzo and Aurelian and Lorna, and just, like, 
basically, bitches, you know who you are. You know who you've been around me. Uh, have helped me so much understand what it means to have people around you that actually lift you up. And they will spend hours and hours listening to you, bitch, about whatever type of, you know, ignorance might be happening around you. And having these people around me just made me realize the importance of actually putting in the effort and actually being nice to people, you know? Not that I needed a reminder to be nice, but kind of like seeing it is cute, you know? When I decided to move out of my house, like 40 people or some shit reblogged my picture and I was like, oh damn, bitch, people like me, you know? Because I did go through a period of questioning that. Because essentially, I was being called a bitch. I was being called, like, I think, like, like, I'm better than people. I was being called too ignorant, too pretentious, too bougie. And guess what? I'm not saying that some people are bad or some people are good, but some people are better and some people are worse. Because I'm sorry, if the only devices you use to perpetuate goodness or profit or whatever it is, is only for your own wealth or for your own profit, then I'm sorry. Then yes, there are some people that do it for other people too. And those people are just better. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you cannot essentially formulate your hug to be a harbor for other people to come and like leave their shipwrecks in, then are you even like, you know, a friend? Are you even a lover? What the fuck are you? Pretty much. A narcissist, I would say. Maybe. Arguably. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, whatever the case might be, what I'm trying to say is, like, be nice to people. And be present for people. Because you never know when you're going to find yourself actually stringing on to, like, the last beat of sanity that you have. For whatever reason that may be. Whether that is housemates, whether that is a relationship, whether that is friends, whether that is, you know... A job in a bit she's back to the same coasts that border the signs to their music of nature and of nurture, locking the uncountable to the loving memories of those that are static in a time's lap, sitting, watching the volatile submissions of an understandable grief, walking by the pauses that have filled the time frame, the time frame of a life with a grey that's so binary, a grey that's once black and once white. See the light in you, in an oxymoron, in the speckle of cultivating the surrounding empathy. Your borders are respected, and your life is animated. You are everywhere, and you are actually everything. So on this point, let's go to This Night Has Opened My Eyes by The Smiths. In the river, in the color of land Child 
That was This Night Has Opened My Eyes by The Smiths. Okay. The one thing that I fucking love about Amsterdam is all the pride flags that are around. I've made myself a, <laughs> a promise a while ago by now, and I plead to all of you, whoever is quintessentially queer, yes, to follow me on this quest. I told myself that for whichever pride flag I see in my life, I shall yawns out loud. So please, next time you see a pride flag, remember my gayest voice telling you to yass it out. Because guess what, bitch? We make the vocabulary, we make the words, and we're the only ones that know how to fucking spell this shit. So spell it out for bitches, you know? And nobody got time to waste. And actually the one person that like, okay, listen... For me right now, I the reason I'm essentially putting myself back in Cyprus is because I want to be substantiated in my own terms. I feel that everything that I'm doing in Amsterdam, no matter how amazing it is, is based on this overproduction of external stimuli and external ties. So essentially what I want is to substantiate my own self in my own terms. But yeah, right, um, is talking about essentially the human experience and the human being as being countable. However, right, in this own countability, what is implied is a system. Primarily, uh, the predominant one is called the counter as one body on terms. Let's say, um, as an argument in society, a counter as one would be a cis, white, straight man because it is the predominant, it is counted in its own substantiation as the one that is valid. This countability, though, reproduces other multiples that are essentially as a pivot in its own substantiation. So this counters one produces normal multiples, let's say a cis white straight woman. Then another normal multiple that is a little bit, let's say, Further away in its own pivot of substantiation would be a cis white gay man. However, this countability, right, since it, is, since it does dictate a structure essentially, reaches a point ontologically where it cannot cover because the variables that make the counter as one counted as such cannot cover all of life. So in this respect... What I argue, as my research essentially, which I will talk about uh, at a later episode in depth, is that queer lives, essentially, are nothing more but an abnormal multiplicity that is not substantiated in the terms of the count as one. They are substantiated only by their own locality in terms of where they are, where they are placed, and the instance they hold to the void. The void being an infinite possibility, an infinite possibility of originary creation and queer natality, pretty much. So on that note, what I'm trying to say is, as a sense of self in Amsterdam, yeah, I organize parties, I perform, I do all this shit, which is great. I love it. However, I couldn't give less of a fuck, neither about Instagram, neither about external ties. 
I don't need anyone to tell me that I am that bitch. I know that I'm that bitch because I see all these bitches around me that actually inspire me to be every single day. And I'm grateful to have a text message from every single day or a call every single day to the people that hurt me and the people that couldn't love me anymore that taught me that actually it's all about the growth, you know? And it's all about the struggle, I guess, at the end of the day. The struggle to be yourself. Because, girl, the struggle is real for every single one of us, you know? Of all the wishes I wish to flush, the one of fluidity is the one that's left undone. Of solitude and of bliss. Of going alone at the beach. I see them soaring up, the waves be gone, and people in one go. It's a testament of memory and a test of application of all that you've learned and are so eager to be forgotten. Now, allowed and void as can be, you grant the one that was never really meant to be. The skin burns and the salt is watery. How great people feel once you realize you're floating with them in the same tide of forgiveness through the same breeze of forgetfulness only to be led to an island of growth. So on that note, let's swim, bitches, all together, you know. Let's go to Our Dreams Are Circling Near by Pablo Disco. Yes, daddy. Dreams are our dreams circling near by Pablo Disco. His new EP is out. Go support bitches. Buy it on Bandcamp, buy it on iTunes, send it to your daddy, send it to your lover. So, since I'm speaking about queer lives and their own substantiation, right? I shall see, I shall share my favorite story of Amsterdam. So, I go to the truth, the truth, uh, is this squad essentially like a Sunday club. 
And I'm sitting there with this dude that I was seeing at the time. While we're sitting there, there was this guy in the corner of the dance floor, literally just like butt naked, sitting there, pretty much, um, jerking off and just drinking whiskey, which was great, you know. Then while we're sitting at the table, we noticed this dude walking in um, who looked like he was someone's dad, you know, just like puffer vest, plain shirt, jeans. And I was like, oh my God, honey, you're at the wrong party. However, while I'm talking to my guy, um, my guy is like, oh my God, George, look. So I turned back to the dude that just walked in and he suddenly fucking transformed to a French maid in a wig Fucking socks with lace and tiniest kitten heels. And I was like, yes, yes, honey, yes, yes to all of that. Evidently, the French maid and the naked dude were friends. So they were just chilling there for the whole night. And the French maid was somehow rubbing her ass on the um, wall for the whole night. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Anywho, whatever. Oh, also that night, oh, bitch, I looked so good. I looked like a um, co-core backstage at a rock concert in combination with Paris Hilton, like. Anywho, I was wearing these, like, cowboy low-cut jeans with a thong, like, cowboy boots, high heels. And um, I was dancing on the platform, pretty much, in front of the um, duo. And um, the guy that I was with comes up to me and he tells me, like, George, um, the dude's, like, jerking off on you. So I just turn, and actually the naked guy was jerking off while watching me. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. So I just turned to him and I just started dancing, just being like, oh, you know what I mean? Just a woman. So basically the guy gets up and while he's jerking off, he just comes in between my feet on my fucking cowboy boot. And literally what I really wanted to do is just like lift up my leg and being like, lick it, bitch. But I didn't do that. Because I'm like, no, if he says no, I'm going to lose all of my cool points. So I just said, thank you. And then just went in the toilet to wipe it off. But the question still remains. Why was the French maid rubbing her ass on the wall? So by the end of the club, when the lights turn on, I see her just like pulling away from the fucking wall. And there was a dildo stuck on the wall. Yes, bitch. She did that. She did all of that. That still remains literally my favorite memory in Amsterdam because you just see people actually celebrating themselves and celebrating their own sexuality. Like, it goes beyond, like, it's not just like a random to just like, oh my God, I'm going to jerk off on some people. No, he was getting off on the idea of just jerking off in public. It had nothing to do with other people, actually. Well, me particularly, yeah, because I fed into it and like, I'm okay with that. But it, I didn't, it wasn't violating. It wasn't intrusive. It wasn't... Uh, uh, anything beyond just people enjoying their own selves. You know what I mean? And I'm just very lucky to have met people like that in Amsterdam. You know? People that showed me that actually, you know what? You can do whatever the fuck you want and really not be apologetic about anything. The first time I met Lorenzo, I met him on Grinder, And the only reason I decided to meet up with him is because he seemed cool. And actually... The reason I was attract attracted to him to like meet up is because when I followed him on Instagram, I saw this like, <laughs> I saw this video of him just being like super cunt in heels. And I was like, okay, now we're talking fuck yeah. You know, because honey, the only six pack I'm interested in is fucking Heineken. 
So, you know, the differences between homosexuals and homo sapiens. Homosexuals fight for the banana. Homo sapiens just get it and go back to their cave. So on that note, I don't want to go back in any cave. I ain't no Plato. Anywho, so on that note, uh, I decided to meet up with Lorenzo and he comes over to my house. Uh, it was super rainy that day as well. And bitch walks in in like this full khaki, anorak, uh, waterproof situation. I was like, ugh, he's butch. Jesus Christ, I thought he was like all that, you know? And I did get a bit turned off. Then after that, bitch takes off the khaki and he had this like full on red outfit that said Coke, like Coca-Cola on the shirt. And I was like, yes, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Now we're talking. Yeah. And we've been friends ever since. And actually like, um, it, it, he helped me realize that like how shit I am primarily because bitch just turned 22 and he's like one of the most talented people I know on every level. Um, and when we went to his birthday party, he even, like, uh, did an installation in his own room that was kind of like a K-hole meeting a cloud, basically because he was all, like, cotton around and he had, like, lights and, like, a super nice truck that he produced. And he helped me a lot as well this last period. I spent a lot of nights with him, too. Or then, on the other hand, like, collaborating with Aurelian, whom... Uh, I've heard so much about before we actually met because literally every single person that I ever knew in Amsterdam was like, oh my God, you should meet Aurelian. I was like, okay, sure, yeah. And after the sixth time, I because I'm a Virgo, I was like, bitch, he should meet me. Why should I meet him? You know? So basically, I decided to actually text him and actually meet up to see what the fuss is about. And I was not disappointed. Bitch could keep up both intellectually, conceptually, artistically, and on... Um, any level of Lee adverb that I can think of. But um, yeah, it was nice to have the type of collaboration before I leave. Then actually be appreciated and be understood artistically, you know. Then evidently everyone here as well in Slim Radio who just believes in the fucking project, man, and doing it because we feel like it, you know. Mama didn't raise a quitter, uh-uh, for no one on this team. And don't hate, participate at the end of the day. Because everything you hear through this station comes out of goodwill, good work, good effort, and just communal effervescence. You know? Uh, it's people believing in what they do and wishing to share this platform with other people. Then who else? Like, oh my God, I can go on forever. Jesus Christ. But essentially, what I'm getting at is that... The only way for you to really appreciate life is by opening up yourself to it, you know? And by just being vulnerable to people and being in love with your friends and holding women up. Fucking shit, man. It's 2021. How can you still hate women and be sexist? Jesus Christ. We all came out of one. So it's kind of like, why would you do that? It's just dumb, you know? Leave it to women and are the world, Jesus Christ, all of our problems would be solved in a week. But men are too intimidated by them to actually let them rule. So on that note, I don't know who God is. Probably Cher, that's what I say. But she knows. She fucking knows, baby. You know? Toxicity and anger. Totality and chaos. The choice of the dispossessed. The close rifts of shadows. Shadowing. Over leaves, shedding all predispositions. 
sharing no rooted beliefs of showing still religion, viewing yourself out in volatile injections to visionary promises of violent submissions. Turn the words to poetry, they said, and the looks into action, and the feelings to sensations. It's Friday, and so I hear. It was Monday, and so I listened. It's a week, and so am I. So, I don't even know why I'm reading my poems to you, but you're welcome. Language is speaking modern thought and songs of childhood trauma. Face off with nostalgia in the crescendo of a lost self. Think thorough throughout the words that can manipulate perception. I see all of them in the writings on the wall. Lesser lessons learned. The power of three. The willingness of two and the loneliness of one. Tearing up the fabric of consciousness. Tearing up as I am looking at you. Gaining in overabundance the words you needed to fill the paper with all your thoughts. Still looking for more space to fill. Still looking for an axis to draw on your conclusion. So on that note, I shall read to you my last poem and leave you off with one of my favorite songs. In the elements that cross the winter and the ones that fall in autumn. Tell the seasons of tomorrow their never-ending sorrow. We hear them weep a tear that's now all day. You wipe it up and see it gone because it was never really there. Then somewhere, springing a new joy of a pre-worked realization, the blossom blooms. Added, confided to the elements of nature. It becomes a vague infusion of sublimity, of power, of age and significance to sip. Lost in the nonchalantness of a late night call. Long live the long balcony talks on a late summer night. Long live the chariots awaiting, those that already started walking. So, on that note, I am your host, George Rallis, and once again, you've been listening to Quintessentially Queer. I just want to thank all of the people around me that continually inspire me and all of the people that give me the opportunity for me to be in their lives. You can follow Quintessentially Queer on Facebook under Quintessentially Queer. Follow Slim Radio on every platform and you can also follow me on Instagram under gravity underscore grave. So on that note, let us say our goodbye for now with Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. <laughs>